Hello and welcome to the Research OS podcast. We are a global collective of freelance researchers who work in partnership to grow their businesses and develop their craft. We foster knowledge exchange between researchers from all over the world, host networking events and webinars on running a successful research business. If you would like to know more about us, take a look at our website or drop us an email at contact at researchos.com. We would love to chat with you. I am Leandra, the community manager here at ResearchOS, and I will be your host today. We created this podcast to spark interesting discussions with our members and audience about being a freelance researcher, our struggles, learnings and experiences. In today's episode, we will have a chat with Serdar Paktin, founder of Pakt, a cultural insight and sense-making agency that is based in London and Istanbul. He's worked as a creative strategy consultant, brand strategy and campaign strategy. And today we will address his longtime passion, cross-cultural understanding. Welcome, Sadar. Great to have you here. Um, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Leandro. It's great to be here. Welcome. Uh, so please uh, tell our listeners a bit more about yourself, your background, and how did you wind up on being a cultural sense maker? Sure. I mean, I was educated to be something completely different than this. I was first trained to be an officer in the military. So I went to military high school, then continued to Air Force Academy. Um, then I changed my mind and went into cultural studies. I did my master's degree in interdisciplinary studies as well. And I started working in strategy. I worked in, as you said, in communication, brands, and creative strategy parts. And I've been consulting in cultural insight projects for more than, you know, eight years now. And since last four years, uh, we're based in both London and Istanbul as part sense-making agency. We're working with international clients on different cultures, on cross-cultural understanding and um, cultural strategy. Nice, nice. And so, uh, first of all, I would like to know why you fell specifically in love with cross-cultural understanding as a focus to your work. I think we could think about this um, during my military school days because we used to live 11 months a year in this confined environment, which was, um, out, we couldn't go outside all the time. So we called the outside world people civilians and they had a different culture and they, they had different ways of uh, engaging with each other and using a different language. And we were having difficulty in understanding them. So we called these civilians a different culture and we always looked at them as outsiders, so to speak. So this, I think that's how it started in a way. And I, then I continued into cultural studies. I majored in American studies and you know, learning a different culture than yours was interesting. And I think that kind of contributed to it and I ended up studying in New York for some time. And it gave me the opportunity to experience that culture. Um, so that's also how it developed. So we could say my life journey kind of pushed me into cross-cultural understanding. Interesting. And from this experience living in New York, uh, from your perspective, how do the outsiders like, like immigrants, refugees, expats, nomads, such as yourself, can contribute to the local ecosystem. I think this is really important because outsiders um, into a culture 
have a different way of seeing things. So they bring their own values, own solutions, their cultural backgrounds, and they have a you know different way of seeing a culture because they have a systemic understanding of it. And also they're, they're looking from a non-attached place so they, they can see things without attachment being attached to it. And I think this creates a big value because when you look around, um, especially in terms of migrant entrepreneurs, it's a, it's, there's a huge um, value they bring to local economies around the world. For instance, uh, in a 2014 report, um, 1.16 million people out of 8.3 million who were employed in the UK uh, were employed by immigrants and migrants who found who started companies. And yeah, I, you know, I'm just quoting from a report. And then there's another one. They say like 49% um, of UK's fastest growing startups have at least one foreign board um, co-founder, uh, while only 14% of UK residents are foreign born. So as you can see, um, and some of the reports are also supporting that migrants are more entrepreneurial than, than locals because they bring their outsider's perspective into it. And when you look at Fortune 500 companies, 43% of them are either first generation or second generation immigrants uh, founded by immigrants. And it goes higher on the top 25 like that. So even in the entrepreneurship area, you see that migrants bring values, businesses, they create jobs and economic value in their new country. So we need to be able to um, implement and benefit from that outsider gaze as a benefit, not as a, as a downfall. Yes, exactly. Um, very interesting for you to say that. Um, and as a business owner, do you also include the outsider's perspective in your own projects? I try to do it in, in, in most of the projects and that's I really um, get value out of it because they it creates a better uh, comprehensive approach and they're like new perspectives and there's stuff that's that we think and it creates a lot of um, innovation and creativity in terms of thinking. Um, so yeah, that's we definitely try to do that as much as possible in, in projects. Not only yeah. in terms of like backgrounds and everything, but also uh, including people from different disciplines. That's very important uh, on a project too. It is, it is. Uh, so uh, one question that arose in our webinar that you participate on uh, running a successful research business uh, about cross-cultural understanding was uh, how can you evaluate the importance of working with a local researcher? To which you replied beautifully. So could you address that once again for our listeners, please? Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to summarize it. It's like when including and, you know, different parts in a project, as I said in my, in my previous way, it gives you first with the local researcher, it gives you the insider's perspective. So you have a deeper understanding of the culture. It brings value and it saves you from doing anything wrong and from the hidden downfalls, implicit bias, marketing myopia, all that, you know, things that's already out there, but you can't see it because of your cultural backgrounds. An insider gives you, a local researcher gives you that perspective. On the other hand, as an outsider, you researcher going into another culture, you have this outsider gaze, which is seeing things differently, 
on a systemic level and also seeing in a non-attached way gives you an opportunity to look into creatively and finding innovation areas where you could implement that. So it's like them together, the insider and the outsider working together gives the perfect um, combination in a research project. Nice, yeah. Uh, as I said in the webinar and I repeat now, I think uh, diversity is the key to success. Definitely. Your experiences and studies, what are the main points to take into consideration when working with other cultures and how can you best assess those differences beforehand? Sure, I mean, um, I gave some of these at the webinar that we talked. So it's like, first thing is to educate yourself, like, you know, get to know about differences in cultures, um, especially like, you know, high context versus low context culture. Um, theory helps very well in understanding different cultures. And also Hofstede, a, a cultural anthropologist, has developed a cultural dimensions approach, which is very much used um, in research projects as well. So it's like theories like this helps educate yourself faster and also in a shortcut way, but also try to learn as much as possible. You know, be curious about learning about other cultures, why they do things, how they do things, and, you know, what's the motivation behind it. So I would say first that second, go beyond language and trends uh, because language is in a high context versus low context culture understanding. In a low context, language might relay much of the information, but in a high context culture, the context, how people dress, how people behave, their mimics, gestures, uh, where they sit, the time of day, the room that you go into, everything has a meaning. And then, you know, try to learn reading into those extra linguistic cues to learn into that culture. So it's definitely go beyond language and trends because there's so much behind that. Um, another thing I could say, look beyond behaviors and decisions because culture is the main um, infrastructure that's shaping people's behaviors and decisions. And there's culture most of the times behind that. So behavioral scientists, uh, they do experiments in a certain culture and take it as a universal fact sometimes, but those are very contextual information and it might not, those learnings might not work in every culture. So it's not, it might meet, it might lead, mislead us to wrong conclusions. Um, and finally, I could say, try to gain new perspectives all the time, includes um, different people in projects. Diversity, as you said, is key to success and different people from um, interdisciplinary backgrounds and also uh, multicultural backgrounds is very important in including in projects. So that's more or less how I could summarize on their four points in a nutshell. Interesting, interesting. Uh, you mentioned the terms low and high context cultures. Could you elaborate a little bit more on those, um, on those topics for our listeners who are not familiar with those terms? Yes, definitely. Um, this is a cultural anthropology um, theory um, that's, you know, long time standing, so like 50, 60 years, I guess. And it's about like distinguishing between two types of cultures. One is a high context culture. High context culture is very collectivist, community based, and the in it is important, the context is important in relaying, conveying the message. And whereas low context culture 
it's the context is not that important and it's important how you ex explicitly convey your message through language so which gives us in a high context culture relationships are important it's more trust based um, it's more collectivist relationships um, tend to be longer and um, they, it's it's slow to change and people are more as i said community based relying on each other in a low context culture um, people are more individualistic relationships end and begin very quickly um, so relationships is not is more transactional and it's it's it doesn't have a certain context into it is you can allocate a certain time and a certain place to do something whereas there's a time and place to do something in a high context culture okay and uh, can you give us an example of when diagnosing those differences beforehand shifted the way you approached a project i mean actually Yes, um, a few years ago, we before the pandemic, we were working with Intercorp, which is one of the largest companies in Peru. And Peru is a right, you know, emerging market, and there's a rising startup ecosystem in there. As Intercorp is the largest corporation, they wanted to have a positioning in that ecosystem. But since the ecosystem is just shaping, they wanted to know what they could do beforehand and then position themselves now from now to today, from today to future. Mm -hmm. And their innovation lab, La Victoria Lab, um, commissioned us to work on that project because we together found out that like Turkey is a very similar country culturally in terms of their relationship, in terms of their um, relationality. Turkey and Peru is like a high context culture. So, and they have different religions, but they are conservative um, in terms of uh, their religion association. Mm -hmm. So we took, but Turkey is a larger country and it is a little bit more developed than Peru. So we took Turkey as the future of Peru. So we, we, could, we, could, we went to Turkey to see what could be in the future for Peru and like learn from there and then take it um, into Peru and like learn how to um, strategize on it. So we organized and designed uh, what we call is a immersive culture safari for um, the members of Innovation Lab, the innovation director and then some of the designers. And we went on a safari into Turkish startup ecosystem. And instead of showing them giraffes and like elephants, we showed them um, technology centers, co-working spaces, startups, like different um, parts of the ecosystem, different members of the ecosystem so that they can learn and go and design for the future in Peru. So that's knowing these differences and similarities helped us design a better experience for them and helped us to put them into a position where they could get the best out of their experience. That is really unexpected. I would never guess that Peru and Turkey had such similarities. Interesting. Structurally, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so often our clients are business thinkers who don't have time to go through detail 
So uh, do you have any tips on how to communicate the nuances around cultural understanding in a language that they will understand and can engage with? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's like, I'm not an expert on this. So it's like, I'm also trying, I'm also struggling to, to go into that because as you said, business thinkers speak and think in a very different way. And even though we work in cross-cultural understanding, that's been a tough culture for me to, to tap into. But I could say um, there are a few things that we could um, use from our projects and in our approach into it. So storytelling is the best tool generally and embedding your message into your story and telling them through in a way that would be relevant to them is one of the best ways. Apart from storytelling, we could include materializing. So giving concrete examples, um, data points that they could relate to. And that's this, you know, major uh, point. And the other two is like analogy and comparing. So for instance, when we talk to them, we say, we are like your personal cultural expedition team, like Marco Polo or Vasco da Gama. You can hire us to go into different cultures and new learn new learnings and bring it back to you. So it's like that analogy, that comparison kind of helps them to understand, put it into a position that they can relate to. And this way of approaching and giving them something that they can contextualize with helps mm -hmm. a lot. But otherwise, they think cultural insight and cultural strategies are, you know, mostly speaking mumbo jumbo with like big uh, presentations. That, but apart from that, if you can find a way to contextualize and put it into your storytelling, I think they, it will be easier um, for business thinkers to understand. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so, what working with other cultures particularly taught you? What are your main takeaways from those experiences? I mean, both working with different cultures and also uh, being an outsider in the UK um, as, as an outsider trying to integrate into this culture taught me a few things. In them. And one key thing is... There's always, when I look at a person or look at an issue, there's always a three dimensions to it for me. It's the personal dimension, uh, cultural dimension, and the disciplinary dimension. So a person, when you're talking to them, might have and have three sets of expectations under three, these three categories. And if you can kind of understand and tap into those areas, and then there's a, you can better communicate with them. But if, you, if you're focused on your approach, which I did for a while, it's, it's you know, they listen to you, but you, you think you explain yourself and you think you are kind of communicating, but that you're actually speaking from your own culture or from your own world. That kind of um, taught me to get into both the personal aspects, uh, the cultural aspect and the disciplinary aspect of people is a, is a key thing working with other cultures and the, another thing i could say is i you know as i mentioned before just try to go beyond language and trends and beyond behaviors and decisions because there's a key motivation or there's a key um you know dynamic behind why people do something or why something exists try to see through that Another, you know, an example to it would be when I first moved to London, I was walking around and I seen this different 
sizes in windows in his you know old buildings so old windows are different sizes depending on what which era they were built and then some of them are also built uh, into bricks and i started to dig into that and i learned that there's a tax on windows uh, between almost 1700 to 1850s and it kind of ended because of the big uh, pandemic in in those years because um, dark and poorly ventilated areas create more sickness and you know attacks uh, was kind of ended through health reasons and you can understand why you know the windows are different size because of that historical connection and then you just need to look beyond that yeah no interesting how nice um so just to wrap it up any final thoughts you would like to share with our listener yeah i mean be curious i could say try to see the main thing behind behaviors decisions people are doing something but there's always a reason behind it or a motivation behind it and that motivation is highly embedded in their culture and if you can see through that then there's a better way of understanding um, you know raising your cross cultural understanding wow okay thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us today no, and thank you for please... great questions thank you sorry for interrupting uh, and please let people know how they can reach out to you if they want to keep on the conversation definitely um as i said um thank you very much for great questions and if anyone wants to get in contact with us they can reach out as pact.agency which is our website and my personal email is um sp at pact.agency s as in sardar and p as in pactin so sp at pact.agency is my personal email address and uh, they can reach out anytime Okay, thank you. Um, last but not least, if you would like to deepen this and other conversations and join ResearchOS, apply for membership at our website, researchos.com, or send us an email at contact at researchos.com. See you next time.